Hello, and, Have you seen uh, how much there is to do in London? First word. Obviously you expect there to be loads but when you see it all in a list, it beggars belief. Started. Ah. Come on, we said a tighter show, didn't we? With you, 100%. This is Yesteryarns, episode 3, and as always... My researcher Hamish has got three great historical stories lined up. Have you got any teasers Ooh, for us? Um, no. Just wait and see. You know there's some great stuff. Great. If you think Hamish sounds a bit worse for wear, by the way, well, you won't actually because he still won't let us use his real voice. But uh, that's because we met at the pub last night to discuss how to improve the show, have some drinks and crisps. And Hamish clearly stayed long after I left, didn't you? Listen, you could have stayed. Well, I had your boxer to get back for, didn't I? Ripped open the fuse box last time I left him. Oi, I don't want him anywhere near your fuse box. I'm, I'm doing you the favour here, don't forget it. And tell me his name, will you, by the way? No, that's personal. Tell me his name. You're just looking after him for a few weeks. You're not marrying him. It's a ridiculous situation, this is. Because, you know, I'm, I'm walking him in the park shouting Boxer because I'm tired of, of Well, his names. name's not gonna be Boxer, is no, it? No, I know that. Come on, I need to shout on you go. Don't I? How do you think that makes on me On you look? go, son. Don't nudge me. Deary me. We'll get started, but I was, I was about to anyway. My head is killing and your voice isn't exactly a tonic. On I go, because I'd like to begin. Actually... For fuck's sake, I'm getting juice. We're recording at Hamish's flat until we find a new studio. Uh, if you're wondering how a Hamish can so readily access juice... Can I have a glass, actually? I'll shake your hand on the mug. Yeah, mug's fine. Yeah, to summarise, we were basically told politely and then impolitely not to try and rebook the studio after the rabbit and the, the, the dog and the car, all that. Um, so here we are, in Hamish's... Um, what is there? What would you call this room? Just the lounge, but I suppose you want a funny name, don't you? No, just whatever you call it. It's difficult to know with um, open plan, boring, isn't it? Boring, boring, boring thing to say. Oi, come on. Get involved, drink your juice. Chin chin. Oh, I didn't expect that to be warm. I started mulling it when I got in last night. You do the first one, I just need to piss in the toilet. In the toilet? Well, where else? No, it makes sense, I'm just wondering what, why you've said first in the toilet. First one's there. Okay, classmates, offer me your ears and I promise to fill them with goodness. Welcome to the big smoke, where I'm trying to do a transition. Play that in there. I'm going on time. And you're not reading about all you can have a little read on Big Ben and that's it. Bloody hell. Okay. In seventeen eighty seven, young Beethoven met Mozart in Vienna. It was only a fleeting meeting, but Beethoven left a firm impression. Mozart, blown away by the young pianist's talent, challenged him to various improvisation contests, and these confirmed Mozart's fears that there was another that may surpass him, and it wouldn't take long. On one hand, this burning jealousy, on the other, a wide-eyed Beethoven hanging on Mozart's every word and note, absorbing any advice or tutorship. Mozart asked Beethoven if he knew the secret of his greatest works. He didn't. Mozart encouraged his rival to stop playing for a few years and just study, just hit the books. In particular, Mozart implored him to get his head around the use of the silent G. Of course, Beethoven seeks clarification, but Mozart's future correspondence was not clear. He compared it to the use of silent letters in the English language, so young Beethoven stopped playing in order to learn the entire English language instead. 
How had Mozart used the silent G in his movements, and would he ever be as great as him if he couldn't even understand it? Beethoven mastered English in just a few years and understood how silent letters worked, but could never make the link to music. In the end, Mozart stopped sending letters altogether, and three years after their initial meeting, confident that his distracted and confused young master would never overshadow his legacy, he passed away. Beethoven never truly understood how or where Mozart used the silent G. Hmm. It's, it's stories like that that make me suspicious, you see. Why? Because Plenty of people wrote about their meeting, uh, yeah, and yeah, Mozart's jealousy silent... is known around the world. Yeah, yeah, but how would a silent G in music work? With respect, if Master Beethoven couldn't work it out, then I don't think you're going to make. And last night obviously hasn't helped, has it? What? I asked you what stories you have for future weeks, making sure we've got yeah, plenty in the canon. And you go on, you know, you start saying that Jack the Ripper was a dog. Ah. And then after some scrutiny, you, conf you confess it's all made up. Clearly a joke then. Case closed. No, but it wasn't. It wasn't. You insisted it was real, just as you have for all of them. For the silent G, for Wes Anderson directing the Bin Laden footage. For all true. Da Vinci invented Samsung. World War One soldiers with tails. All, all of this. I do worry. Listen, I wrote the book on history. It's my life. It's all properly sourced. One of my mates said I should ask you for your sources. Did I'm... he now? And what does he do, your chirpy little buddy? He has a shop. Oh well, as long as he's got a shop. He sells trinkets and bags. He could sell bottled dragon burps for all I care. I'm still not interested. My point is that I've had, I have had doubts from friends and listeners. And one of them's a vicar, so this isn't nobody's bringing this up, you see? Now I'm not going to patronise you by demanding your sources. I should think so. But just, just remember that it's a true history podcast. Yeah? And there's stuff in your contract about them being legitimate stories, okay? There is stuff in your contract. It's all got a bit tense, hasn't it? Do you want a frube? I just want this. Look at you licking your lips. That's a yes to the frube in anyone's book. I'm not licking my lips because of the frube. I just I do it when I'm nervous. Cause I, don't, I don't like confrontation. I just don't want say to. what you want to say then. Fine. Be brave, fella. It suits you. Assure me that the stories are all true and that you're fully committed to this project. Assure me that the stories are all true and that you're fully committed to this project, please. Sorry. Yeah. Assure me that the stories are all true and that you're fully committed to this project, please. You have my word. Peach or strawberry? Um, uh, uh... Have two of each. It's carnival week somewhere. Four fruits. I don't, I don't think I'll make it through four. Where's your bravery gone again? Come on. On with the stories, my man. This one? Yep. Load her up. After a string of groundbreaking experiments in the 1950s, psychology found itself basking in the rays of mainstream news for the first time. As a result, one marketeer took a risk, and the outcome? The repeated shock study sponsored by LEGO. LEGO had agreed, in conjunction with the University of Copenhagen, to sponsor the entire experiment and its findings. The study turned out to be a breakthrough in understanding how children react to pain and how it affects their future choices. As a result, despite no Lego being involved, they had their name legally bound to any mention of the study in scientific journals or in the news. Other marketeers looked on this with envy and more and more sponsorships were arranged. 
by the time the 60s rolled around, experiments had become more and more questionable, with increased funding and competitiveness for breakthrough findings. Oh, sorry, I'm just going to take a fruit, but actually my mouth's a little dry. Good lad. That's it. Head right back. <laughs> That's pretty nice, actually. Right. In February 1962, the Penguin Books experiment was completed. By this point, so much success had been found by brands sponsoring experiments that many just took the title of the entire experiment, as Penguin Books did here. This is hugely beneficial, unless things go wrong. The Penguin Books experiment involved forcing two groups of children to recite a list without pausing. In Group A, if the kids paused or faltered, they were given hints by a tutor. Group B, there were over 30 tutors in the room with them, and if the next word in the sequence wasn't coming to them, they would be screamed at. At first, only one tutor would scream, but for every second the child continued to forget, another tutor would begin screaming. This round of memory tests was repeated every day for a week, to see if pressure aided recall or not. The kids from Group B would go on to suffer from memory issues for the rest of their lives. Parents of the affected kids understandably took the scientists to court, and it became a landmark case in experimental ethics. Penguin Books had made it crystal clear that the study must always be referred to in their name, never just the study or the experiment. As a result of this legal stipulation, Penguin Books was heard in the courtroom 214 times over the five days of court proceedings. After this case, few other brands were willing to take the risk of sponsored experiments. They still appeared occasionally, with Campbell's Soup surrogacy trials being the last known case. See, now that's great stuff. Thank you. That's what... You see, I've got no reason to doubt that. I, I think I might have even heard about that. I think even your mate with his bags and trumpets will wave that through. I think so. And it's it's trinkets, by the way. Trinkets, trumpets. It's all instrumentation, isn't it? Well, no. Do you want to know something? I like this side of you. You're picking up on what we, we talked about. You're coming out of your shell so the audience, you know, knows you a bit better and... Go on, go on. Where you're sitting is where I wang. Fuck's sake. Only yanking your steering wheel, mate. <laughs> All right, eh? Your face. Not to be crude, but I have a fiancé for that kind You've of thing. You've got a fiancé? You put emphasis on you again and I'll beat plumes of smoke out of you, honestly. Does she live here? Not yet. Just give her time and space to see how things develop, would you? I won't lie, my first thought is why couldn't she take your 35 kilo hound? Don't be silly, she's lumbered with a 35 right. kilo dog herself. I see, I see. It's his twin actually. Jagger, you want my fiancé to look after 70 kilos of dog, do you? No, I was just wondering. You don't transform women into fiancés by making them look after that much dog, mate. Wait a minute, let me... So... She looks after your boxer's twin, yeah? Yep. And he's called Jagger. Oh. So the big bastard tucking into my fuse box right now is Mick, is he? And there's Archimedes out the bath. For fuck's sake, me and my what mouth. What is the problem with people knowing you do this? I don't get it. I've told everyone I do this. I was waiting to see if the whole thing would be ridiculously inadequate first. Right, and... Jury's out. Oh, I'll view that as progress, I suppose. Tell you what. Jeez, I've never had anything like that. That's really nice. Mate. Rather you than me. God knows what I put in it. Just heated it on the hob, didn't you? Yeah. 
But I got up this morning and there was all sorts knocking about. Yeah. I'd made a right mess. Well, it tastes all right. Fuck. Right, so the mug of juice is going down after that, isn't it? Let me just check something. I will say, fuck, let me check something isn't exactly what you want here after someone's given you juice. Shit. Hamish, I've started to panic a bit. I think I'll admit that. And I'm not loving my BPM right now either. Christ, my hands are... I've not been this clammy since I had to mingle at the TUC. Sorry, Trades Union Congress. Sorry, I'm going to stop using abbreviations. Sorry. It's all right. You might not even feel it. What? I put mushrooms oh. in it. Oh, dear. And, assuming, and I'm assuming you wouldn't have your head in your hands if it was just a hint of portobello in my juice, would you? No. no. So they're magical, are they? Yeah, they're pretty fucking Hogwarts, I won't lie to you. I've got badminton doubles in an hour. Do you think they're still on? Do you think that's still on? Can you feel anything? I don't think so. A little bit, maybe. It might just be the portobello. Placebo. The placebo, placebo, I yeah. don't even remember doing it. It's highly likely mm. it didn't work mm. properly. Think? I do. Well, well, I'll just wrap this up. Well, I'll wrap this last story up and then have a little rest before badism. Okay, fine, yeah? good idea. Just a word of warning, just in case anything does register, when you go back to Mick later, what, what? make What's sure this? he doesn't pick up on it. If he senses weakness or confusion or whatever, if he knows you're in an altered state, then, well... Put it this way, he's no nurse. Just what? be strong with him. That bravery know, we talked about earlier, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I think some of it has, has gone into the juice, to be fair. Yeah? Okay, that's fine. That's all I can... Something's there. I don't know what. That's all I can say at this stage, I think. Let's get this wrapped up. Now cause... there's the last story. Let's get this all wrapped up. Very nice paper. Righty up. Final yarn of the Yesterns experience. Boots ahoy, playmates. Okay. Right, okay. The Scottish Football League, SFL, was inaugurated. Sorry, no more abbreviations I said, didn't I? Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned my socks off. Right. So the SFL was uh, inaugurated on the 30th of April, 1890. Oh, that's just before Easter. I hope the quick wiggers didn't eat too many eggs. Shit. Uh, Renton. Renton FC were one of the most prominent teams and their captain, Neil Glenn, was loved by all. When he retired, presumably due to old age, Bob Campbell was brought in from Hearts to take over as captain. Oh, I wish you'd use a Sans font next time, please, Hamish. My eyes aren't exactly buying you chocolates for making them read this dodgy serif. Mess, says the mouth. Do you want to wrap this up, mate? No. Or finish it Just later? One, one take, like 1917, please. Got it. Right. The problem with Bob was that Renton fans still loved Neil. Few felt that Bob Campbell was capable of taking over. A critique in the Renton Observer said... Should I do an accent for this? I suppose I will, won't I? Right. Neil Glenn's pixie feet do not touch the sides of Glenn's huge boots. <laughs> I like that. Huge boots. Huge boots. That could be a charm. That could easily be a charm. Couldn't it? Fans and players wanted him gone. And for Neil to come back. When Neil was 39. Campbell demanded loyalty. But was given wrong fixture lists puddle water in his bottle oh. and even had offcuts sewn into his shirt collar. 
Yep, yep, oh. and in the end he was sold back to hearts. You should do your outro, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I'd, I feel something, by the way. Do I say that? It's nothing to worry about. Just, so Just you know. sign off and then you can lay down. You're quite caring for a spiker, aren't you, in fairness? Right, yep. Yes, Dion's free. I hope you enjoyed. Um, we tried for a tighter episode. Um, we reached for the moon. It's not for me to say that was achieved. But we tried. Um, just give us that, would you please? Plenty more to uh, come. Plenty more. Hamish, we... <laughs> we should do this one with 50. We should still be doing this one with 50. Okay, that's your lot. Yeah? Come on, off we go. You turned it off. The, the yarns aren't real, are they? You tell me if they weren't. I think I'd like to be sick in the in the toilet and be pissed in. Please.